Welcome to On Living, the Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Have you ever asked yourself what it means to be human? What does it mean to be fully alive? What does it take to love, to really connect with another human being? How do we fully engage with and honor the humanity in us? It's time to really talk, listen to, and connect with one another. Come join in the conversation with your host, Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Good morning, everyone. This is Leanne Nguyen, your host for the hour. Welcome to you all to Voice America. Um, as uh, I said to you in the past couple of weeks, I thought I would try today to do something different rather than talking at you <laughs> um, or conversing on my own with a guest. I would open up the hour to, um, to try to actually converse with you out there. Um, I must say it's, it's quite nerve-wracking because I have no idea what to expect what I would get back from people for the hour. And um, I do get comments and, and, and questions, you know, throughout uh, the season, but nobody has called in. Um, and what puzzles me is that um, it seems to be a special kind of conversation that I have been having with you or offering uh, to you out there. The one consistent um, reaction or, or feedback that I've been getting is that P is a very rich kind of conversation and it makes people think about um, a lot. But what puzzles me is um, people can't really articulate what it is that they think about, the place that the conversations on this show uh, would transport them to. And this shyness or this unwillingness, you know, to share uh, really explicitly on the show the things that um, that the show e e evokes for you. I just had last week uh, someone calling me and, and just saying spontaneously that she realized, she said, you know, I just listened in and I realized that I can't pop in and out of your podcast. <laughs> it's uh, it's weird. This is a relatively young person. It's weird. I have to um, clear everything, shut everything out, and really concentrate to listen. It's not like something that you can just leave on in the background while you do stuff and, you know, tune in and out. Um so that, I thought that was interesting, uh, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't listen to other podcasts. Actually, I didn't even know that uh, what I'm doing would count as uh, a podcast, but it seems to be the thing these days. Um, I don't know what the difference is between a podcast and a radio, uh, a talk show uh, on radio. <laughs> um, anyway, it's, oh, what was interesting was the, the her her description of the experience of this particular conversation. Um, that is, she seems to say that it's something that requires concentration and attention and maybe engagement. Um, and it clarifies for me a distinction that I have made a couple of times without elaborating on it between content and process. Um, content is very uh, fashionable and easy to uh, deliver, to define, and to share. 
uh, to talk about, to capture. <clears throat> Content is what, right, we retweet, tweet, tweet, whatever. Um, you know, the links that we share uh, on social media, the quotes, the sound bites that uh, we disseminate to other people, or even the nuggets of uh, inside wisdom that we take with us and then, you, you know, uh, apply or pull out when we need support or guidance. That's content. And also, it seems to be a, um, a requirement to anything that we propose to do. You know, uh, I was asked to provide for a summary of content of the show uh, when we were about to do this thing. And when you make any kind of uh, proposal, you need to talk about content. Um, and my view is that that is what people require or think that they need, uh, think that that is what is valuable to get from another person, from a thing, uh, an event, uh, or from, uh, from an experience in life. Um, content is where you find out about something. You take something from the experience. But what is process? You know, it's something entirely different um, that you cannot really capture um, or even promise because a process is about the experience. It's experiential. It's, um, it's, it's organic. It's dynamic. You can try to say, uh, it's just like, for example, live theater. You know, you can uh, describe, the, the reviewer can describe to the audience uh, or the producer can promise for the audience or the investors, you know, what the experience would be like. You know, it would be thought-provoking. It would be exciting. Uh, it would be heart-wrenching and so on. But you cannot capture it and, and deliver it as you predict it or as you want to. It's organic. It's something that arises out of the experience that you have with the moment and with the other person who is participating in the process. And it's organic and unpredictable because as soon as there is another human being, you never know what to expect. Wondrous things can happen and terrible things can happen. And also, as soon as life, the experience of life, of living, of being alive is involved, <laughs> um, you cannot predict what's going to happen either. Um, so, process is, is active. Um, just as this person was telling me, you know, I have to tune every, shut everything out and sit and listen. You have to actively participate, um, you have to pay attention to, to, to it in order to tune into the process. And uh, yourself has to be engaged in the activity, in the experience. I think that this is what uh, people are, are catching on or are trying to give me the feedback about what I'm doing here with you. Um, 
most of the time, nobody, not even I myself, can really say what the content was. You know, I try my best in the episode summary uh, to to capture what we're going to talk about, and it never turns out to be that thing anyway. <laughs> and uh, the summary is so paltry uh, in comparison to what actually unfolds or to what I actually have in mind the week beforehand when I write up the summary. The value of the process is that it's organic, it's alive, it's dynamic, it's active, it's demanding of yourself. You have to engage something of yourself in order for the process to come alive and in order to get something from it. What this means is that, again, I'm going back to this, the, the, the distinction between content and process. When you focus on the content, you find out something indeed, but that thing is kind of inert. It's a thing, you know. And when you focus on or engage in the process, you find out something too, but only through the engagement with the experience, with the other person. And this is the pot of gold. You find out something, not about that something, that subject or whatever, but something about yourself because yourself has been engaged in it and you, 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 become, you become transformed. It's like stepping into a stream, you know, into a river as opposed to standing on the bank and watching, you know, and catching a fish which is the content of the particular thought or insight um, of the conversation. Um, and so you, if you step into the stream, you get transformed by the flow of thought and you get also transformed by the interaction, the experience with the other person. <clears throat> so I did not know this about what, uh, what the show would do about what I was doing. Um, and, it's just really wonderful to hear this kind of feedback. It really clarified for me. It, it made, um, for me, it made conscious something that was kind of unconscious. Um, the, the, the value of the process. And, um, the, and this leads me to another comment about the business of branding. <laughs> that, uh, that maybe my brand, um, uh, or, or in my, you know, in my civilian life, my my enjoyment, um, my investment, is in the process. So maybe uh, my brand, uh, and the, the person who um, talked about the my conversation about brand and product and call to action is in marketing. So she was teasing me about how I get my terminologies all wrong. <laughs> And that I need to work on my, on the definition of my brand a little bit more. But maybe my brand is about uh, facilitating uh, a certain kind of experience and offering to you um, a very particular kind of process. And that process is uh, an engagement with the world and ultimately with yourself. Um. I have um, also, I'm just going to read a few um, 
questions or comments uh, from people who sent me an email. I, I have quite a few, but um, I'm just going to pick out some that contain uh, a, a really interesting uh, a question or a really interesting insight. Um, oh, this one is an easy one. Uh, this, this is from Jim uh, in uh, San Francisco. Uh he just sent in, he said, um, well, the show is very interesting. Um, and you keep talking about the question of, uh, uh, about the question that your patients raise uh, with you about what makes life worth living after all the terrible things that they've gone through. And um, I'm just wondering uh, if you can say something about what makes life worth living for you. I would say... You know, I was just thinking about this. I'm thinking it, it makes me think about do does it mean when we think about what makes life worth living, do we mean do we think about the things um, in the direction of purpose, you know, of of meaning, the things that uh, justify us getting up in the morning and plugging through the days and the hours, the things that that drive us, that motivate us, um, or so it, it, in that way, you know, we're talking about intention and purpose and motivation <clears throat> and value. Or when we think about what makes life worth living, when I thought about it, I was also going in the direction of what do I feel uh, passionate about? You know, what, what gives me joy? What sustains me? What supports uh, my process of living? So is it uh, purpose uh, or joy, you know? Is it value or, or, or passion that we're talking about? And um, so I was just, you know, kind of like thinking about the different things, uh, examples, when uh, moments when I feel like, yeah, this is what, uh, what makes my life uh, worth living. This is what it's about. And it all comes back to people. Um, an encounter... Uh, with people, an experience with people, or something that um, you know it, it, that has something to do with people, and um, I'm reminded of you know what Jean-Paul Sartre used to say, uh, the existentialist the French guy. He said, you know, uh, hell is other people. Now, you can read it in any direction, uh, you know, that uh, the most immediate interpretation is that um, people are really the source of your suffering, the bane of existence. We can do, and I've talked about this a lot on the show, right, when talking about trauma and darkness and so on, uh, we humans, we can do so much damage to one another, and um the 19-year-old uh, gentleman that whose letter, whose conversation with me I read to you on the show last week certainly would agree that hell is made by people and of people and toward people. But um, it also, the statement also is an acknowledgement of how relevant, how important, how significant and essential people are to people. 
in a way, we are what we are all that we have. You know, we are one another. And we can affect one another so tremendously uh, in a terrible way, but also in a wonderful way. Um, you know, it's well known in my in my circle, in my training, that human beings are inherently, innately social creatures. We need people to survive. Um, we need contact with people to thrive. Just as we can be devastated and destroyed by people, not necessarily by the, the physical destruction that people uh, can perpetrate, you know, but, but the interpersonal contact, the emotional impact can be as destructive and sometimes maybe even more so um, than a bullet or a blow to the head. So what makes life worth living for me is the, the, the contact that I can make with people, the things that I can discover um, about other people and in other people. Because, um, you know, again, we, we all come from in so many different shades and textures and forms of humanity. Um, I think that Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist uh, meditation teacher, said something along the line of, you know, the entire universe is contained in each person. Um, but it's not a uniform universe in each person. You know, different variations and, and di different um, forms. And so contact with people allows me to discover the world. Uh, it allows me to find out um, what what life is about, what humanity um, you know is about. And again, mostly, it allows me to know myself, to discover myself, because when another when I make contact with another person, I get something back. And that echo, that ripple, that vibration or, or refraction that I get back from the other person, if I remain open to it, opens up something in me and um, ushers me into some tiny opening, but still an opening about myself, be it a thought, an emotion, a memory, or a question. And that's how uh, I think growth and life happen or can can proceed and that's that's what uh, that's what makes helps me stay alive and makes me feel that there is more to discover um, goodness I have to stop momentarily for now for a commercial break and um, we'll resume with more readings from comments on email bye bye for now The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? 
Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world, across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Hello again, everyone. So I was uh, talking about uh, what makes life worth living uh, for me (laughs) and the process of having a conversation versus the content with someone. And um, it made me think also about the business of connecting and being known, uh, you know, um, so as those of you who know me, and I mentioned it uh, one time, I think, I finally got a social media account because the network also has been on my ass about um, getting out there more and blah, 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 uh, getting more connected and increasing pressure uh, exposure and so on. <laughs> so I got myself a Facebook account, uh, and I have to confess, I have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> Um, well, it cracks me up every day that I, I stare at the thing. Um, but, uh, you know, it, since we're talking about content versus process, I'm very dubious about the effectiveness of having a social media account and, and, expo- and, and you know, getting on the exposure uh, through that in order to, um, to let myself uh, reach you guys even more. Because, and I, I would love your feedback on this, because of the nature of this conversation, I don't know that I can uh, sort of share it, capture it and share it on social media, on the posting and so on. Um, and um, 
I have had a lot of questions about what it means, you know, to connect on social media um, and to be known on social media. Um, it just feels so, so incomplete. And it feels to me like um, it's not a real conversation, is it? It makes me wonder about when we post something, what is it of ourselves, of our lives that we really want to share and what is the intention, the hope, the desire behind each posting? Is it to be known or is it to invite a follow-up question um, from, from from the other, from the following, uh, from whoever it is out there that is reading your post? Um, you know, is, is the posting an announcement about yourself or just sort of like an invitation for the other person to get back to you, to ask you so that you can in, really engage? Or is it a way actually of of uh, of hiding yourself? Because it's like you're saying, look at this thing here, uh, look at it. And so that you will look at these other places, you know, pay attention to this, the, the birthday pictures or whatever art show that I went to, uh, so that you don't think about questioning other things, other aspect of my life. So... I am not sure that I can do much um, with 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 social media for this show um, because the process is just so contrary to what um, we are doing here. So I would like to rely on you then to spread the word, um, to let people know, and actually, you know, if I can just keep the 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 the, the few or the hundreds or so uh, of. Uh, of, of, of listeners and we can deepen the conversation uh, that would just make my year and um, the hell with the network uh, they just going to have to do something else or I don't know fire me or something uh, alright so I have here yes another question let me just read to you um, this is from Paul thank you Paul for writing in uh, from Minneapolis, that's in the Midwest, isn't it? Where there are a lot of um, refugees, I think, at least you know from 10 years ago uh, when I was still in the trauma business. He said, uh, you seem to have a quite dark, pessimistic view of survival. Do you think that there is nothing to celebrate or admire or learn from people who have gone through terrible life-changing things and are still standing tall. I think that survivors are admirable, incredible people that we can admire and learn from. Why do you say that the term is problematic? Would you prefer to describe these people as victims instead? I find that problematic. Um... Well, first of all, Paul, thank you so much for letting me know that that I had your close listening. Um, I just mentioned this thing about you know the the, the survival uh, terminology very quickly. I think last uh, last week, and uh, so glad that you caught that and are giving me permission to elaborate on that. Now. Uh, you know, I noticed that in, in the trauma, I call it the trauma industry, because to a great extent, it is an industry. Um, 
So over the years, you know, I noticed a shift in terminology. We did indeed uh, move from um, referring to people as victims of trauma, victims of torture, uh, victims of war and violence. We move from that to survivors of trauma and survivors of torture. You know, if you track the the um, the appellation, the naming of of programs, you know, treatment programs or, or foundations and so on devoted to trauma, you would see, uh, you know the disappearance of the word victims and more uh, a proliferation of survivors precisely to um, to shift the focus away from viewing people as passive uh, destroyed beings uh, toward uh, calling attention to toward and and celebrating, uh, as Paul said, celebrating the tremendous um, accomplishment and the tremendous victory um, of still being alive and uh, of of still functioning and in many cases prospering, as the definition of uh, of the dictionary uh, gives about to survive. What it means to survive? It means to function and prosper. <laughs> So, why do I find that problematic? First of all, I, I don't have a, a better term. Uh, I certainly do not like the term victim because it's a very static and passive um, uh, term. And um, it does reinforce in many cases if we use it too often. Um, you know, it, it then it dictates... Uh, a very particular approach to treatment, and it reinforces uh, in the person a kind of deadening and passivity um, that they certainly that she certainly needs help in 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 getting away from in overcoming. So that ha- having said that, here's why I find the insistence on the term survivor problematic, because. It's, it sort of it hides or, or it highlights the position, the hopes, the wishes, the ideology of our culture, which is a culture um, that, that, that prefers to celebrate, to only acknowledge, to only recognize triumphant, celebratory, positive things. You know, we love stories of the quote-unquote triumph of the human spirit. We love to give medals for courage and strength. Um, And, you know, we love to celebrate, to look for and celebrate victory as opposed to defeat or loss. This is a culture that does not know how to mourn, how to grieve. We do not create any space. We do not provide anything any support, any recognition for the darker, um, the more frayed edges of human existence, such as loss and death and pain and grief. So that is why I find the insistence on survivors, on on the term uh, problematic. It is problematic only and if only because it gives us permission you know, to only support and attend to the part of the person um, that has made it, that functions and has prospered. What about then the part that still um, that is still dead 
or deadened, the part that um, grieves, the part that has been lost. The person is often left alone with that, left alone with no companionship, no acknowledgement, no recognition for that part of his journey, of his existence. So no companionship. And the person is left alone with oftentimes no language, you know, um, to to um, to articulate, to make sense, and to create meaning out of all those horrible uh, blackened experiences. And, um, you know, I sometimes talk to people uh, who have gone through a lot, uh, a lot of trauma, a lot of hardship, uh, you know, at fundraisers or, you know, at activism gatherings and so on. And, you know, you would have speakers and they would uh, invite somebody who come in and would be very inspirational and talk about, you know, how she has survived and overcome and, you know, look at it now, look at what, you know, we can do and the best of humanity and so on and so forth. And um, often the dirty secret is that people feel, um, oddly enough, uh, very unseen, very unacknowledged, you know, amidst all of these celebrations of their survival and and their accomplishments, both in living and in the activism uh, work that they do because of this thing of us not having the language or not providing the language to attend to to that part um, of, of survival. So, you know, again, when we call someone a survivor, we give him our, um, our admiration. Uh, but maybe I think we convey more towards that person who has gone to uh, to the other side of life and come back, um, we are really peddling more what we wish for ourselves and what we wish for that person to tell us, to reassure us, to confirm for us that life is great, that life is worth living, that you can overcome uh terrible, life-changing things, you know. So please tell us, reassure us that that nightmare, that bad dream that you fell into will not visit me. And if for the grace of God, if it ever does, then tell me that just like you, I will survive. So it's more a communication of our own hopes and dread, I think, more than actually a recognition of the other person's experience. And if that is the case, then we have to think about, and this is what I talk about often when I say the ethical responsibility of speaking and hearing, we have to think about what we leave out, what we are unwilling to hear, to see, to acknowledge in the other person's existence via the the terms that we use to capture his identity or his um, existential um, journey. All right. So um, thank you again, Paul, for for giving me the, the, the occasion the, the opportunity to talk about this. Uh, I feel very strongly about about this and in many ways, you know, um, actually, you know what? I have another comment. 
from Earl from the UK that that sort of echoes what I'm saying now. He said, um, Dr. Nguyen, I just want to say that I appreciate your point of view about trauma. I am originally from San Diego, but have been practicing and living in Europe for a long time. Trauma work in the U.S. is different from other parts in the world, which may be a function of what we might call an absence of the tragic sense of life in the U.S. Good luck with your show. Um, Unfortunately, I, I don't know what Earl meant uh, when he said the tragic sense of life, but um, what I take from that, what I find support in that is, again, my view that in the U.S., you know, this is a culture actually that does not want to recognize the tragic dimension of life, meaning the dimension uh, of, of unpredictable and sometimes inevitable loss, you know, that does not recognize and give allowance for and prepare people for the terrible, the, the fact that life is, can be tragic and that you cannot escape from loss, from pain. Um, it's, it's different from pessimistic, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it, pessimistic is, is about always predicting, always seeing bad things. Tragic to me is about acknowledging it as well as knowing that there is the other side too that you can get to as well. So um, when we call, when we insist on calling people who have gone through terrible things survivors, you know, survivors of sexual abuse, survivors of rape, survivors of of wildlife fire, uh, survivors of, of, of torture, of war, of, uh, of whatever, um, I fear that uh, it's a manifestation of this turning away from this denial of the tragic, uh, of what Earl refers to as the tragic sense of life. And, um, and I fear that uh, inadvertently, we abandon a lot of people and we abandon a big part of our own selves. And so where then do we go for support? Where do we go to find companionship and sustenance for the tragic aspect of life? Um, Again, thank you so much, Earl, (laughs) from the UK. I don't know what time it's over there. It's probably, uh, yes, it must be dinner time or after work time. All right, let's take another break and um, I will share more with you from other people's thoughts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world. 
across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. All right. Hello, everyone. Hello again. Um, this is the hour where I just take questions, comments uh, from people, and uh, it's mostly through email at this point. Let me read to you then uh, one that I think um, would uh, kind of fit in well with the process of the hour. And I didn't realize again that uh, it's just very focused on on trauma, but I guess it's because of what I talked about last, uh, the past couple of weeks. Um, so speaking of which, you know, I, I'm going to read two emails um, that to speak to this point, and maybe that's all we have time for today. I just realized too, during the break, that my goodness, I guess I do love the sound of my voice. <laughs> I, I did not, as I said to you, I did not prepare for anything, uh, just leaving myself wide open. And, you know, when you are, um, when you do therapy and when I do my work, you, you know, you really devote your attention to to active listening, uh, to really immersing yourself in the other person. And a lot of times, you know, the, com- the, the complaints, right, that people have about shrinks is that, you know, they don't say much. Uh, anyway, at least shrinks who are trained in my psychoanalytic uh, tradition. Um, but I guess you all don't know that we're all closeted um, narcissists and gabbers because God, and I see this a lot too when I go to conferences, you know, the speaker would just give a paper and then there's Q&A and there will always be a long line of people who say that they have a question, but actually, you know, they just then like, um, just go on and on and on about their thoughts on the topic for about five to 10 minutes. And it's mostly uh, white bearded, middle aged or more than middle aged um, men. I don't know why. Um, I don't know what women do with with their narcissism. Uh, Well, this one woman uh, 
does the show with her narcissism. <laughs> All right. Um, and this is why I fear re-listening to myself, because if I do that, then um, I would just go crawl under a rock. Uh, Tanya from Sacramento said to me, wrote to me, uh, I am a Vietnamese-American, and I was very appreciative of uh, your personal segment from last week. I was born over there and came to the U.S. with my parents when I was seven. I have no memory of the country. I speak a little Vietnamese, but I can relate to the story about your daughter who wants to learn the language. I want to learn more about my parents' heritage and experience, but they tell me only the basic stuff, like the war, their childhood deprivation, and why I'm so lucky and I should work more. I think my mother was raped, but I'm not sure. My father was an orphan, but I'm not sure what really happened to him. They don't talk about it much. Do you have suggestions about how to break through the silence that you were talking about last week? Uh, again, amazing, good, really good question, a uh, great question, uh, not only because it allows me to elaborate on that notion, but it's also a great question, uh, again, in reinforcing for me how closely uh, you listen to what I have to say. Um, how to break through the silence of people who have gone through extra ordinary, overwhelming experiences and remain uh, willfully mute and shut the door to you. And by the way, this thing about silence, you know, it, it's not particular to uh, survivors of severe trauma. You know, if, if you pay attention today when you're done with me and look at people and listen to people in your life, you will encounter this kind of silence. The silence that um, that is actually willful and fraught and full, full of, of sounds and stories, but willfully, intentionally muted. The silence that is um, not a blank, you know, or a, a black hole, but actually a, a concerted effort, a tremendous um, attempt to bury the sounds of the person's thoughts and the, 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 the stories that live in her. With my patients uh, who are silent, and I know with my own relatives, who maintain a silence about their past and their internal lives, I know that it's not um, it's not dead and 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 blank in there. You know, it's it's actually very rich, very noisy. Uh, you know, the person is actually tormented with the opposite of silence inside. So the silence, Tanya, that, that you and I encounter in the people that, that we that we know around us, that we love, that we try to reach but cannot, um, is is the result of a campaign against desire. It is a um, a a willful 
heartbreaking and heartbroken uh, attempt to snuff out, you know, the wish to be known, to be seen. Uh, because as I said, you know, to open, to, to give in to that, you would open yourself to the risk of them not being seen and not being heard. And they cannot, they don't want to go through that again. So the solution, the deal is to just try to bury, you know, to just try to exile, try to exile your own history, your own feelings, your own memories. Um, and the hope is through the silence, um, you can just forget about it and leave it behind. So how to break through it? And this is my, just my particular uh, ethical solution, which is that the person, the silent person, the survivor who is actually not, who has not quite survived, is counting on the rest of us to remember for her what it's like to be a human being, meaning she's counting on us to remember and um, advocate for and demonstrate demonstrate for her what it means, what it's like to be alive, to hold on to and to keep advocating for the sense of curiosity, for the sense of desire towards connecting with life and with the person herself. Do not give up because if you give up on your own curiosity towards your parents, then you give in to their solution of silencing, of psychic burial, you know, of their history, and therefore, to some degree, of your history. So, the main point I'm saying is that somewhere in there, the person who is is half dead is counting on us, is looking from the corner of her mind, you know, toward the rest of us, to see if there is still that bridge, you know, that is worth crossing at some point. So uh, don't give up. Keep your own questions alive and keep voicing your questions. But here I understand, here's why it's hard for you, for me to do it. Because in the questioning, to do that, we then have to manage our own um, fear and our own vulnerability, you know, about Again, the question's going nowhere about not being received, uh, not being held in that curiosity, in that desire to connect with our parents or with our lovers or with with our children. Um, So, and it makes me think about um, the whole point of... um, of speech, you know, of language. I'm thinking, why, in in evolutionary terms, you know, why do we have language? Why do we have speech? You know, animals communicate to each other through, through other ways. You know, we we can be mute. And I think there's something about language that serves as language and storytelling that serves as a bridge between one human being and another. And so the silence 
is in, in, in someone who has been so disappointed and so hurt. Um, it, it, it is a commentary from that person about that bridge, about how she feels, what she fears, what she still hopes for about that bridge between her and the rest of humanity. So don't stay, stay silent. Rely on your own language, your own question in order to keep that bridge open and connected. All right. Um, I have maybe one, uh, three more um, minutes for another question that is, or a comment that is important. This one is from Norman from New York. Um, he says, you know, uh, what does he say here? The show is so heavily oriented on trauma and immigrants. I'm not sure that it applies to me. I'm just a regular white American guy with kind of a regular life. My problems are not that bad. I just happen to catch your show on my way to work. Do you think that life is full of trauma and bad things? What, uh, what about just a regular guy like me? I have not suffered any trauma like what you're talking about on your show. Um, this, I get a lot too, you know, people who come to me and said, uh, oh, you know, I don't really deserve to be here. My problems are not that bad. And, uh, two points I want to make before we break. One is, you know, trauma is not that extraordinary. Um, it just, a, a traumatic experience, it just heightens for us the struggle, um, that all of us humans go through the struggle for connection, the struggle for meaning making, uh, the struggle to maintain control in the face of the uncontrollable, which is life with with a capital L. Um, and trauma just just clarifies, you know, the needs and the challenges that most of us fortunately can take for granted because most of us, you know, have the, the skills and, and the circumstances to kind of just have sort of a, a smooth sailing through the waters of life. So the opening, the fissure, the blow that comes with a traumatic experience just highlights and clarifies, you know. So Norman, when I talk about silence, for example, or the fear of connection or the self-protectiveness in, in killing off of desire and curiosity, I guarantee that if you listen to yourself, look at yourself, you will find that in yourself too. You will recognize that struggle in yourself as well. The other thing about when people say, I don't deserve to be here, you know, other people that you deal with have far more, uh, far greater problems so on, is I think it speaks to a plea, a question really uh, from the person to me about whether I have the willingness, the capacity, the uh, whether I will accept the responsibility to listen uh, to that person's uh, struggle uh, in, in living. You know, I think it speaks more to an insecurity and a, and a question about like, will you listen to me even if I don't blah, blah, blah. You know, because severely traumatized people ask some version of that question as well, you know, of just a different form. Uh, will you listen to me? We all have that. Immigrants or native born <laughs> White American or Tibetan uh, or, 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 or <laughs> West Indian um, traumatized or just, you know, uh, just struggling with the, the daily trudge to work and uh, daycare and so on. We all have to do the same thing and we all have the same questions for ourselves, our life 
and towards each other. So we're coming to the end of the hour and um, I will continue to question, to have conversations and to listen. Next week, I will go solo again. Um, I am on a roll here (laughs) on my narcissistic, self-centered, solitary uh, journey. But I, um, what comes out of this uh, of this hour is I I do want to speak a little bit more about this thing of um, of life. You know, Um, so I will. I will share with you uh, the, the experience I had with a patient from from a long time ago, um, uh, who was severely traumatized, and um, his his predicament in my work with him really illustrates, you know, this this notion of um, of the fear of connecting, and of the function of silence. Okay, and um, and I hope that it will be of some value to you all. So until then, uh, which is next week, I will find you again. But until then, I wish you a lot of joy. And please make good contact with yourselves and with others in your life. Goodbye for now. Thank you for tuning to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human. Please join Dr. Leanne Nguyen again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And enjoy being alive.